All right, Ambush, and today we are here with a Juno-nominated artist, writer, producer, multi-instrumentalist who is working towards releasing a, a new album. And along that path, she has recently released a, a new single entitled I Need To Cry, and we're here to dive behind that and oh so much more with my guest today, Hill of I Am Hill. So how's it going today, Hill? Going well. I wanted to mention I Need To Cry is out this Friday, so three days the single will be out. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, um, sorry, I should have mentioned I'm planning on releasing this interview after the single is out or oh yes okay but we should be good so how's it going hill it's going well perfect awesome i am very excited to be diving into this new track some of this new music this upcoming album you have coming out your first in a year here since 2021's i believe we are looking at Nobody Wants to Be My Friend. So, of course, we are jumping into 2022. This is your fourth single of the year. So, of course, I want to jump in feet first. Take us behind this new track, I Need to Cry. When exactly did it begin to come together for you? We wrote this in, I think, 2019, pre-pandemic. I was working out of a loft in downtown LA, and Mike was staying with me there. The song happened in multiple parts. I think we wrote, at the time, I, I still had my Oberheim, which is an analog synthesizer. And so we kind of came up with the driving beat, which is really a synth patch, but we used it as more of a percussive instrument. And that was kind of the foundation for the whole song. We started with the verses. The pre-chorus feels like a chorus because it's really big. There's kind of an anti-chorus after that. And then after we'd finished piecing the song together, we wrote an intro. Well, I mean, it was just kind of, I just kind of made it up on the fly. Um, I was playing a Wurlitzer that I had at the time. And um, yeah, just made up random lyrics. And then we morphed that into the beginning of the song. So it was a really interesting process of writing, honestly. And the other thing about this single is it's one of the few times that I really sing on the album. I don't do a lot of singing with my own stuff anymore. I kind of got bored with it. So there's a lot of like speak singing and, and, you know, just literally talking. And this song is one, one very unique case where I'm really singing in that pre-chorus. So I think that's an interesting point about it as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For sure. So what exactly inspired the lyrics, the energy of the song? Word-wise, then, as you mentioned, the uh, singing here. I think the lyrics, you know, I think about this a lot. I know a lot of people who take SSRIs or antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. I've taken them myself. And my experience with them, I tried a couple, you know, it's always difficult to find the right, the right type and the right dosage. And part of me, part of me is really concerned with how highly used they are because I've you know, I've read some studies to say that, you know, oftentimes it can just be the placebo effect. I'm not a doctor. So I, you know, I'm never going to recommend somebody not to take a drug that helps them. But for me, it just kind of has become really alarming how many people I know that are on these drugs that can really, can really have all kinds of different side effects. And for me, one of those side effects was feeling really emotionally kind of numb. And I don't think 
that's helpful in a lot of cases. Obviously, it depends on what you're taking the, the drug for. But for me, it 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 just kind of muted my experience of my life. And I think I think that's kind of where the whole thing started. And then it, be, you know, in order to make the narrative something that felt more personal to me, I wrote it from the perspective of wanting to allow a relationship to flourish or wanting to let love in and just feeling like you you can't do that and you know feeling like you want to lean on someone you want to need someone but you don't really know how so you just shut off your emotions you know Mm -hmm. so yeah no that's a really interesting thought uh the last part there where you mentioned that because it's sort of that idea that everyone says of well you have to love yourself before anyone else can which i i can believe is a complete and total lie because Somebody should be able to love you for you, and if you can heal through that love, fantastic. But it's a matter of is sometimes it's hard to uh, let love in because sometimes we don't think we're in the right situation or we don't think that somebody will accept us or maybe we think that they're going to get scared off, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, 100% there. And uh, definitely a powerful idea, as you mentioned, uh, antidepressants too, uh, peeling back the veil. I myself have also had those experiences where they say that your mind's not exactly right, but then they put you on one thing you tested out for a bit. But that one thing while you're testing it out might not necessarily do you good or to rely on those things, like you say, that maybe numb you and maybe even turn off your personality and aren't, maybe not, aren't at, at necessarily that great either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I say, you know, it depends on the person. It depends on the drug, depends on the purpose. It just, it seems like there can be a lot of downsides sometimes. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's if you can find the thing that helps you, fantastic and great but sometimes maybe we're a little too willing to uh just oh go try this for three weeks and then come back and tell me how it went for you right yeah and i think more than even more than being willing to do that it seems to be the number one suggestion which i just think is a bit dangerous like obviously the pharmaceutical industry is massive and one of the largest money makers on the planet so that's also a concerning factor for me you know, is why, why is my doctor recommending this to me? I always feel like I need to question that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's the thought process? Why wasn't therapy a suggestion or otherwise, right? There's so many options. There are so many options. And I'm really excited about like the potential of, of things like psilocybin. There's been a lot of studies on that recently for helping with managing anxiety and depression, mental illness. And so I just, I really hope that we get some better options on the table over time, because I think what's been kind of shoved down our throats for the last, I don't know, decade longer, probably way longer is, is just, I don't know. I don't trust it. That's all. Absolutely. 100%. And definitely a uh, powerful topic to tackle. And Definitely one thing that we are you've done through all four of the singles that you've released so far leading up to this upcoming album sellout have definitely done exactly that of div- dove into uh, different, diverse and difficult uh, topics here. So what has it been like to sort of uh, craft all four of these tracks and sort of uh, reveal these pieces of yourself out into the world? What has it been like? Well, I think 
one of my favorite things about this album is, you know, I spent a lot of my twenties writing about relationships and failed relationships and, and, you know, interpersonal content almost exclusively. And so I'm in my thirties now. And I think that my writing style is shifting a lot because I'm kind of bored of that. And also my life is much more stable. I have a much better understanding of who I am. I know what I want. And so I'm not making a mess of my life and then writing songs about it. I'm looking at the mess of the world and finding ways to write songs about that, that still feel hyper-personal because I do feel personal connections to everything that I write about. Otherwise, honestly, I have trouble writing it. So the four singles, other than I Need to Cry, include Fat Free, which is about, you know, wanting to be needed so desperately. Um, kind of, kind of uh, another psychological concept. The first one was Side D, which is totally not dense subject matter. It's probably the most ridiculous song I've ever written. And then the last one, which was the most recent, is Con Marie, which basically is commentary on capitalism and Western values and, you know, how they're kind of eating us alive. So that was a lot more dense, but I always try to approach these things without. without like prescribing a perspective. So I try to, because I don't know what people should think or feel. And like, you know, the things that I, I'm, you know, complaining about in some of these larger concept lyrics, it's not that I think these things are inherently wrong. You know, we're having this discussion about antidepressants and I'm not saying that antidepressants are wrong and you shouldn't take them. I just, I want to have the conversation because, and it's the same with Marie, like, capitalism in and of itself isn't inherently bad it's just things go to extremes and that's when it gets ridiculous and harmful and you know i think our culture has really promoted that extremity so that's kind of where i write the subject matter from well you see it in society where right now we have things like chip shortages where like vehicles are going to become short and everything because of how much we've mass produced things in the past we're now paying for it in the future Mm -hmm. definitely that happens with keyboards too it's hard to get a chip to run like a nord you know i wanted to buy a nord stage and it's really hard to get one right now because i can't get the chip (laughs) so that's definitely a thing Uh, affecting musicians too absolutely yeah Technology uh, can be difficult, but sometimes it can be our friend when applied in creative and uh, useful ways. And you mentioned a fun song that you released through these singles entitled Side D. And through this song, you sort of uh, stepped into Web3, into the world of NFTs as well. So what was that sort of like for you to uh, do exactly that? I found it really entertaining, to be honest. You know, I don't I don't think NFTs are like the answer to everything. I think blockchain technology has a lot of potential. I don't think it's going to like solve everything overnight. There's a lot of flaws when it comes to NFT technology. But I wanted to try it. I had the means to try it. And what I minted was actually an acoustic version of Side B, which I recorded in Mexico. And it's just like the tiniest guitar, just piece of garbage guitar and vocals and you can hear you know the birds outside and it's just it's not meant to be um some gigantic masterpiece but what i really liked about it is that it it showed me that side d is a song that can just be reinterpreted you know i reharmonized it i i changed the chords i rearranged the whole song and i it was really satisfying to like really sing it because you know i i was just mentioning i don't sing a lot anymore and it was like an opportunity for me to 
like emote on these lyrics that are just like garbage, garbage, total garbage lyrics. And minting it was really just, I mean, it was my first personal mint. I had been involved in other NFTs before, but I hadn't minted them myself. So this was my first personal mint and I have it up on catalog works, which I really love their UI. I really think the the whole experience with catalog was really effortless and positive. I learned, you know, I learned a bit about the potential issues, you know, and like browser, browser compatibilities and like different things that, you know, you kind of have to look out for, you you should look out for, you can look out for when you're in the process. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I think I'll probably mint more NFTs. I've bought two now, one visual and one audio. And I just, I have the liberty. I have the privilege of being able to participate in that. Not everybody has that because it does cost money to participate. And luckily I have a day job and I, and I'm able to do that independently. I also have a label and my label is very generous whenever they can be in terms of supporting me financially in order to do these kinds of things. So I kind of felt like it was a really good opportunity for me to kind of jump in and, and in the very early days of this, you know, and just see what it's about and understand if, if it's for me or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's uh, getting your feet wet for a little bit before you decide if you want to fully jump in feet first, right? Yes. Yeah. Hey, dip your toes in the water and uh, continue to see how media can t- continue to grow. And of course, there are some of those trusted ways that musicians t- continue to use in some way that or one way that you're continuing to make sure that these singles all had each of their own identities was by releasing visualizers for uh, each of the tracks as well. What was it like to sort of film all of those? I love that part of the process. It's maybe my favorite part, to be honest with you. I find it much less pressureful than writing the songs. Making up concepts for my visuals is, you know, it's something I've done quite a bit by now. And just like curating the costumes and curating the locations and figuring out how we can do it on a budget because I was making those before I had the job I have now. So only some of those were made after, after I started working again, after COVID, you know, I was completely unemployed during COVID and we made some, we made some visuals during that time. So it was kind of like, how can we do this on a budget and still make it interesting? So I think we achieved that, you know, in a lot of ways. And all the visuals are just like 15 second loops, basically, because we wanted them to be mostly used as reels on Instagram and or as stories on Instagram, I guess. But we looped them to make reels and we looped them and dropped them on YouTube. You can really find the visuals anywhere that you find the song. Also, Spotify has canvases, which I think are really cool. So you can upload your visual there. And yeah, I mean, they, we just looped them. It doesn't it's significantly less work than trying to put together an entire music video, right? Because that can be really daunting depending on how long the song is and the concept and everything. But I, I mean, I have a really good time with those. Like Comary video that we put out is just me dragging a toilet across Drumheller. And I just like, I couldn't, it was just like, who cares? This is ridiculous. Like that's the most fun I've had in a while. Although that toilet was really heavy. So, I mean, you did give it a good kick though. So, I mean, I did. you got, you got yes. it back for being heavy. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, fantastic. And of course, all of these singles are 
leading up towards your upcoming album sellout. So without giving away too much, of course, uh, what can you tell us about this upcoming project? Well, the four singles that are out are on it. It also has four or maybe five other songs. There's a few other collaborations on it with, I think, three three different rappers. One's out of LA and Austin, one's out of Toronto, and one is, mm, I'm not sure where he is now, whether it's LA or the Bay Area, but there's a few other collaborations on there. And I think it's, it stays really on track sonically, you know, like what you've heard so far is a really clear indication of what is on the album. I don't deviate like crazy. It kind of all lives in the same universe, which I really like. That's something, something I'm really proud of on this album is that we were able to stay, stay true to a certain like palette. And when I say we, I'm talking about my the person I work with the most frequently, which is Mike Schlosser. So he and I did this whole album together and he, he drives the ship on production and does a lot of sound design and things like that. So. Okay. Awesome. All right. And of course that album comes out on June 3rd. So of course, anyone who uh, wants to keep up with that, you can go ahead and follow. I am Hill on your favorite streaming service, as well as your favorite social media so that you can keep up to date with that upcoming album and anything else going on inside of the world of Hill, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right. I'll put some links to do that in the description to the show below. Before I let you go, Hill, I have one last question for you here. Sure. All right. Perfect. So, of course, we have talked about the crafting and the leading up to the release of this new album here, Sellout. What I would like to know now is through this process, through this time, how has it to helped you to grow as a person or what has it taught you about yourself? Mm, I like that question. I think it taught me that I, and this is funny because I could have known this much earlier, but I think it helped me deal with some anger, you know? And I think it helped me realize how angry I, I can be at the world and how fucked up everything is and how, how challenging things are that don't need to be challenging. So I think that was one thing it really taught me about myself. It's like, got some real beef with the, the systems that be. So, you know, it's not a surprise, but it just, it came out really loud and clear. And other than that, I think it also just taught me that, that I'm capable of making such a cohesive body of work because before I had always done kind of like, patchwork stuff and it had been a long time since i made like a really cohesive album so that was that was definitely a milestone i hit as well all right perfect well i thank you for sharing this lesson as well as the stories behind this new single i need to cry and this upcoming album sell out with us here today on the dtp hill thank you for having me Ah, I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with our amazing guest, Hill of I Am Hill. Of course, you can go ahead and find Hill's new album, Sellout, right now on your favorite music streaming service. You can go ahead and find the singles that we discussed there as well, and you can find the music videos for those singles on Hill's YouTube. 
I also highly suggest going ahead and following Hill of I Am Hill on your favorite social media platform so that you don't miss out on anything going on inside of her world. Yeah! I have to go ahead and thank Hill one last time for joining us here today on the show. Ola from Indoor Recess, the outstanding Ola for setting this conversation up. I have to thank the audio wizard known as German from YPEditor.com for making it all sound so good. And last but not least, I need to thank you, the Ambush, for tuning on and for supporting the pod, for supporting amazing artists and music. So thank you. If you've yet to join up with the AM, you can subscribe. It's as easy as that. That's how you join up with the Ambush. You can also help this show grow by sharing this episode, giving us a five-star review, and by checking out our web store at www.deserttiger.shop. And the best part is, looking is free. If you see something that catches your eye from there, hey, that's your decision. It's deserttiger.shop. And now, we leave you with this. Go out. Find your roar and then let it out into the world and let them know just how wondrous, powerful, and beautiful you and your roar are because you are all of these things and oh so much more. Don't you ever forget that. And until next time, Ambush, bye-bye. The Desert Tiger Podcast. <laughs>